The Creative Psychotherapist is the official podcast of the Creative Clinician's Corner, a practice-building resource for creative psychotherapists. TCP Podcast is the cast for creative, expressive, and experiential-focused psychotherapists curious to learn how to design, build, and scale a thriving private practice. Your host, Raina Lombardi, interviews successful therapists about the tools and strategies they have used to develop creative-focused practices. They also talk about the products, services, and side hustles they have developed, using their knowledge and creativity to enhance their therapy practices, make a greater impact in their communities, and diversify their income streams. Welcome. Now here's your host, Raina Lombardi. Thanks for listening to The Creative Psychotherapist. Uh, today, Nicole Porter Davis and I are going to be co-hosting um, in this special series on uh, trauma response uh, to what's going on currently. And so we wanted to bring this series to you to share um, different tools that have been helpful in Nicole's work um, in responding to large-scale traumas uh, that have impacted large populations of people at the same time. And um, today we're going to be speaking all about creative coping skills and how um, you can be using them and how you can be using them to work with your clients. So thanks for doing this with me, Nicole. Hello, Raina. Hello, listeners. It's really nice to be together listening and talking. That's a very helpful creative coping skill in and of itself. (laughs) So I'm grateful to be here to share and, and hear ideas. Definitely. Um, continuing to stay connected. That's kind of where we ended um, our last segment, which was really about outreach. But a lot of that is about connectivity and staying connected. We heal when we're with others and not necessarily alone. Um, so yeah, one thing. Connected. Yeah, the social connectivity piece, right, is such a benefit. And one thing I've been thinking about since our last recording and this concept of outreach and how we're looking at it so differently are some of the beautiful examples that are coming out of the cities especially and how, you know, it's a combination. Some of it is a push from natural artists and then others are the art therapists working behind the scenes, Mm -hmm. Um, like the sidewalk chalk that's happening. Um, people took to the streets all over Philadelphia doing sidewalk chalk. And it was really this amazingly beautiful way that you could see families and children connecting, even though no one was outside at the same time. And, you know, Philly has a great mural arts program and they jumped in and they started contributing. It's really beautiful. And I think there are more and more, I mean, naturally towns are following in suit. Like you're seeing it where you live. Yes, I've been seeing it in the neighborhood um, going on walks where people have used sidewalk chalk in their driveway to write messages. Mm -hmm. And then um, some colleagues, uh, one colleague in particular has been posting pictures of um, people's sidewalk chalk art uh, driveways that are really positive messages like hope and love and peace and stuff like that. And um, she's been sharing those, which are really cool. So it's a great way to um, definitely do something together as a family or, you know, individually, but um, putting that message out there and 
as you're walking by and you see it, you know, you're reminded that, okay, we're all in this together. Um, mm -hmm. You know, other people are figuring out ways to, to get through it too. And one that I saw on Friday morning, which was pretty funny, uh, was somebody had done on their fence and they had like this big like garden flowerscape and um, on it, it was written, free the Tiger King. Yes. Which, um, I, I mean, obviously that, that film or documentary series is getting a lot of play on Netflix right now. Um, but it was funny. And I think for me, it just made me think of uh, the important role of humor and how, yes, this is very serious what's going on. And yes, we need to treat it with um you know being really thoughtful about it but also we we really do need to remember to still laugh and have fun and be silly and play and um because we're you know if we're still here and we're still living and breathing and doing um you know those moments of laughter and humor can help help get us through the most difficult times. Yeah, and that's what's nice about this visual social reminder. Mm -hmm. when, when you do move out in the community and you're walking around, it's like so nice to see united sidewalk chalk, right? Mm -hmm. And when people are taking another step, they're not just making art, they're not just creating a hopscotch board, they're thinking with intention to give other people a hopeful message. Mm -hmm. And that's an incredible shift in humanity for us as a nation, I feel, which is incredibly riveting to see, right? And then there's also the window art, window displays that are happening, yes. another great way. And, and um, I've seen a new take on Christmas lights, people doing hopeful, inspiring light shows around their houses rather than Christmas. It's, you know, for the in response to this pandemic another visual image way to socially connect that in in a sense is a form of outreach whether you're an individual in the community or a practitioner thinking in that way that individual person that's making that choice is saying i want to socially connect with people and i'm going to use imagery to do it right um so right now i where i'm at i live with my husband but we have a friend staying with us right now and um we've been playing around with using the um the background screens in zoom like you can you can choose a virtual yeah. background yeah and you can upload your own pictures from like different places around the world so um she has been traveling and has like a whole slew of really great pictures from um, all over the place. And so we made one where we used a background of like an underwater scene um, from like a snorkeling picture. Um, there's like coral reef and a bunch of fishes. And then um, we have snorkeling masks and like <laughs> made a very short video of us in the virtual background, like fake snorkeling and that so fun in, in the place, but like shared that again, it's about, you know, it's humor. It, it's, it was fun to do. We had a lot of laughs doing it. Um, but also like 
you know, we, we are in this together and we'll get through it and we'll get back to those times where we can move more freely in the world um, versus being um, at home. But at least while we are at home, we can virtually travel to these other funny places. And we have a bunch of like props and stuff. So we're going to continue to make those. Um, cool. I need to get on there and do the happy clam underwater. Yes, totally. Um, yeah, it is. It Comedy is, is huge. I, I've told you before, and I'll, I'll share with all of the listeners, is I, I used stand-up comedy a lot when I was responding in Newtown. The nights that I was staying there, after it was several weeks in, I resorted to choosing a favorite stand-up comedian and would listen for 20, 30 minutes as part of my going to sleep routine. Mm-hmm. Just to wake up those happy synapse, mm-hmm. right? And get the more pleasant neurotransmission going because the rattled part is on, mm-hmm. right? The rattled part is, is the hardest thing right now to continue to calm, right? And comedy, laughter really helps with that. So it's great to, and there's some really great comedians and artists doing that right now, also contributing new podcasts and new videos and things on Instagram and Facebook that are popping up. I love that about what's happening right now. Also are all the music, musicians, artists, actors, actresses, dancers mm-hmm. that are sharing their art online so that people can enjoy it. Yeah. 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 So that's something else that we can really benefit from right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think there's plenty of ways that we can connect creatively. Um, but we have to be, you know, willing to let our guard down a little bit and, um, and be silly and playful, um, which for some people is tough for us. I think as, you know, arts-based therapists, not so much, like we're used to living in that sphere, Mm -hmm. but for other people, um, that might be difficult for our clients and their families that might be difficult. You know, I've worked over the years with plenty of parents that struggle with being able to play with their kids and, um, and that inability to connect in that playful manner impacted their um, child parent relationship dynamic. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so you know, that that's one thing that we can be helping people with right now, um, families with is, you know, teaching them how to get creative um, with their family to get through this, especially if they're, everybody's stuck at home together, yeah. you know, that's a lot of hours to be stuck in the house together. Oh, 100%. And like right now, you know, we're, it's natural. And I think this is a normal response to the trauma where we're focusing on the surface, right? We're talking about the light, fluffy stuff right now. And we're going to go deeper. So everyone knows out there that's listening. Um, You know, I get shaky when I, when I start to think about saying it out loud, but the the horror of what's actually happening, like that is a challenge on the surface for people that's genuine, diving into the creative zone to work with your own child. You know, and then there are these deeper and deeper and deeper layers of this pandemic that are really difficult, right? And and we're going to get farther into that too. And I think, I just want to remind everybody listening with us that all these pointers, again, are help the head of households, help the staff at the hospitals, help the people, mm-hmm. you know, volunteer to be on crisis hotlines, 
And I want to address real quick, I, we talked a lot about volunteerism and I know that I'm always cheerleading for it. Mm -hmm. um, but I also want to be grounded in the reality that I know it's, it's trying on the therapist. It's trying on the practitioner, right? Like the truth is we can only really volunteer for so long. So mm -hmm. navigate that for yourself as a sense of self-care, right? Like when I was in Newtown, my first real, like before Newtown, I did trauma response in organized settings that were trauma facilities set up for trauma for children, right? Where the kids were brought there daily. Um, this wave of responding to crisis, the pinnacle was obviously mm -hmm. the biggest, scariest for these little first graders. Um, but I'm bringing that back in because after the Sandy Hook Healing Project, when I volunteered straight through Christmas, which we've talked about, and then that only lasted through the new year and then they closed it. Mm -hmm. So when that happened, I said, okay, I'm going to volunteer for five weeks. And I posted to the community, I'm going to volunteer on these three days every week for five weeks. And if you would like to seek our therapy with me, sign up for that five week thing where your child comes once a week for those five voluntary weeks. And I set that limit for myself. And that enabled me to, after that five weeks, take a week off with no questions. Every family knew that that's all they were getting in that period in that particular February going into March, right? It was like, okay. And you know, of course me being me, I took the week off and kept going. <laughs> All those families kept getting services. Um, but that when we do volunteer, setting a, a limit for yourself in the beginning, it's like, I love the advice of writing your resignation letter before you start the job, right? Like mm -hmm. say I'm volunteering for this amount of time right now, you can always reassess that. Right. You know, it's Definitely. like how we started with, we're doing seven episodes and now we're like, we have an eighth one, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So it's flexible. It's flexible. Right. Um, but I think that is really sage advice. If you can set up the boundary initially, and that could be, you know what, I maybe only have the... Um, emotional capacity to right, do exactly an additional 30 minutes a week um in this way like it might also be selecting in what way mm -hmm. are you are you capable and able um to do that right like there's um my neighbor who lives behind me she's she's a very um, artsy person. She does like theater design and um, she's a musician and she's very artistic. But anyway, she's been um, part of what she's been doing is making masks um, mm -hmm. and then task. and delivering them. Um, you know, so there, there are ways that we can, that we can create and, and volunteer that if you're or if you are already working in a place where you're like managing all of this, it, it might not be healthy for you to volunteer to provide additional face-to-face mm -hmm. -face services. So there's many ways that we can contribute um, without necessarily having to add on more direct client services. And, and for some people too, I think we have to recognize that they may not be able to because of financial hardship or because um, they have a family member that they live with that is 
at risk and has, you know, an immunocompromised system and they're not able to put themselves in direct contact. It would be unsafe, you know? Well, there's that, right? Like there's the mind, body, physical care. And then you're also reminding me of the, re the, the other point that I want to make with volunteering is it is a luxury, right? When we're in pandemic crisis mode, we're all compelled to contribute, most of mm -hmm. us, right? Especially clinicians. This is why we became clinicians. We want to help people and contribute to the greater good, right? Yeah. Um, but to just stay, take a step back and remember that if you are financially strapped and it is an additional stressor to then be giving of yourself, tune into that. And that's why it's all right to say like, hey, I can do this for three weeks and then I have to ask for a donation, a minimum of $10 or something so that you begin to feel that gratification and be open and honest. You know, and, and the last session we talked about, um, you know, telehealth and how each state's different and phone calls versus Zoom versus all these things. And I was advocating and I still am, like volunteer your time to give your clients that contact, even if it means you can't bill for that phone call but I also think mm -hmm. as clinicians, we should take care of ourselves and be comfortable to say, I can volunteer for this two weeks. And then I have to ask, can you donate your, can you contribute your normal copay until I figure out with you for you, the billing of the service? Like it's okay to say those things and create those parameters for yourself. Like, I feel like I was harping on volunteerism, but then after sleeping on it, I also want to be realistic that we, we have to take care of ourselves too. And, you know, the, mm -hmm. the fiscal payback is important to our own sustainability. And if, and if you need the cash flow to go buy more canned beans, be honest and say, I'm going to volunteer for so long. And then I need con contributions too. Cause you can open yeah. it up to donations and people will be honest. Everyone wants to do the right thing right now. Your clients are going to give you $5 if they can afford it. And they're going to give you 50 bucks if they can afford it or right. more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but it's I, a good time I, to be flexible, basically, right. is the creative coping strategy I'm, I'm pulling out of this is be flexible, be honest with yourself and be creative with the solution. There's no right answer. All the answers can be good answers. And we're going to learn from each other through this. Right. So let's, let's bring it back into the creative coping. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. some of what we were talking about were like some of the challenges that may come up for therapists that are working, right? We may be struggling with our own fears if we're going into say an inpatient hospital setting and um, we are in a confined space that doesn't necessarily have the like, you know, <clears throat> type of filtration in the air conditioning system that is required to reduce the transmission of this. Right. Um, you know, and we're, we're being exposed to people. We don't know where they've come from, um, you know, what they've been doing before they came in. They could be carriers and not know it. Um, and so... I think it's important that we acknowledge that as the therapist, we may, we are also going through this whole entire thing at the same time. And we might be struggling to manage in very different ways too. And so how do we take care of ourselves, right? Create those boundaries, like you were saying, whether that's related to the work that you're actually doing and being paid for, 
or the volunteer piece, yes. right? We have to acknowledge that because if we're not respecting our boundaries, then we're going to be compromising the care that we're able to provide. And it's better to take care of yourself than to overextend yourself and, you know, compromise yourself and others. Better to take care of yourself, you know, take that time to do whatever you need to do to get in the right space emotionally and psychologically to then put yourself back out there. Right. So what are things that clinicians can do to um, be creative? As arts therapists, we already kind of have an arsenal of techniques, but for other, um, other therapists that may be listening that maybe aren't quote unquote arts therapists, but they are creative and expressive and, you know, use different types of tools in therapy. What, what do you think, you know, we all could be doing? One thing um, that I find very helpful is the inward eye process, which I consider a form of creative meditation, um, where one of my favorite images that has always helped me through times of trauma response is to invite yourself to visualize a protective tree mm. and to sit with that protective tree. And, you know, you want to go into it as, as though you're entering a sense of meditation, right? Where you sit with your body first. Should I talk us through it for a minute? Yeah, let's do that. Yeah. So wherever you are right now, just feel your body sitting in the chair or if you're standing up, just become attuned to listening. And I want everybody to take a breath in through their nose, back out through your mouth, letting the out breath be longer. And let's take another breath in through the nose, back out through the mouth. And as you're listening, I want you to attune to your body. Let your body know that you're taking time, your mind body, to be with yourself right now. And as you're there resonating with yourself, invite a protective tree to visualize in your mind body. Whatever form this protective tree presents itself, is okay. Acknowledge the tree. Let the tree know that you see the tree. And then ask yourself, do you want to look at the tree or do you want to become the tree? Hmm. Now be there. And I want you to take a breath in through your nose, back out through your mouth. And as you're breathing, give gratitude to any images that arose. And as you're listening, come back to the moment, be aware of your body, be aware of yourself, your mind body. And that's a tiny little introduction to what I've learned as the inward eye process. 
from Bob Schoenholtz in Philadelphia. He really introduced me to this magical connectivity with art therapy where, you know, then we can draw that tree. Mm -hmm. You can come back to that tree. And I find it really grounding to like, how are you feeling right now? You want to talk to us about where you went? Yeah. I, um, I, I feel really great. I do a lot of, um, mindfulness type Mm -hmm. activities and, um, especially incorporating the breath and a number of images came up for me that ranged from like, um, strangler figs to mangroves to, um, the, um, the Groot, um, tree, which Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what film that's from or (laughs) But <laughs> there's like some film with a tree called Groot and I can't remember okay. what it is. Um, I want to say it's like maybe one of those like superhero film, like a superhero. I'm not like sure. Comic. Listeners, if you know, send us a message. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, yeah. And then like there was an image of the tree kind of wrapping itself around mm. me and like becoming mm. very connected with the tree like almost Mm. like an embrace or a hug um which was definitely very like I felt very like safe and secure um contained Ah. supported so let me jump let me jump in for a minute so this tree you could feel it embracing you wrapping around you Mm -hmm. and you felt very supported Mm -hmm. yes yes yeah so I can see how that would be incredibly helpful um, for people, but other people might what? have a different, you know, their image may have been totally different. What came Absolutely. Up well, in that instance, I was guiding, so I wasn't allowing myself okay. to attune to it. And it was also the tiniest little mm-hmm. snidbit for everybody. You know, like typically you could do that with a client for 20 minutes to 45 minutes, be in that zone with them, you know, mm-hmm. guiding them. And the way I loved your, ooh, when I asked, do you want to become the tree or look at the tree? That was like, I, I said, ooh, because I was like, oh, I already had that um, Mm, image happen where it kind of gave, like started to wrap around me. Um, And then I just allowed it to go further. Nice. You allowed it to go farther. Mm -hmm. So that's trauma response, the choice including choice in everything we give people, right? Whether it's the choice of where to be in the room, the choice of like this week I've been advocating that people create a safe type of weather or a person in a safe type of weather. Hmm. Choice with the path, right? Yeah. Again, putting safety in there or protective in there because that's where we all need to be right now containment, safety. Um, but giving people choice anywhere in how we approach tasks is a huge benefit to just sending that signal to the inner mind body. This is up to you. You have control. Right. It takes the traumatized system out of the corner of the room, mm-hmm. right? It's not draw a safe place, draw a safe type of weather because that will be more, oh, I can't think of one. But when you say mm-hmm. safe type of weather or a person in a safe type of weather, people are like, oh, I'm thinking about either or. 
And the traumatized mind naturally is split, right? Polarized, black and white, red and green. So here we go. You automatically give them two choices. The traumatized mind's going with one. Yeah. So that, again, it's just a, a creative technique that is science-based, you know, and it helps heal the system. And also, listeners, are you hearing how when Raina started to talk to me about her process, I paused and mirrored for her, almost verbatim what she said. Yeah, and that's also a huge piece of responding right now when you're working with someone in pain, right? Someone who's suffering and needs the benefit of helping heal. It's very important. And this is why we were talking about mirroring. Very important to pace it and reflect, be reflective, right? It's not about my tree. This one's about your tree, Raina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that 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 is really true. Like letting that person know that they're being seen and they're being yeah, and heard. heard. Yeah. Um, it's so, it's, it's so, when you think about it, you go, Oh, it's so basic, but it's so it's challenging, powerful it's and paramount. And at the end of the day, I think most therapists realize that the pain that the pain that their clients are experiencing deeply connect with not feeling that they're seen and heard. Absolutely. No, the moment someone feels heard, they don't necessarily need what they were asking for. What they needed was to know someone heard that they were asking. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so we're, we're dancing around inpatient units. Let's, let's dive deeper, right? Let's, let's go deeper into the ocean, right? It's okay. horrible, everyone. I hate to say it out loud, but it's really horrible what's happening in the, in the care of the people suffering from the coronavirus. Like I know in New York City, and I know it's going to be a ripple effect happening in other cities. If the curve's not flattening, that they're running out of pain medicine. Some of the ventilators they had in stock aren't working. And, and you need pain medicine in order to sustain the oxygen tube down your throat. So, you know, not only do our staff not have, the front line does not have the things to protect themselves, we don't have the, the materials for the ailing civilians and physicians and nurses in the hospital to keep them calm. So as horrifying as that is, we have to go there and talk about how to aid bringing a calming atmosphere into these horrifying scenes, right? It's a war zone. It's not like the first world country we're supposed to be. This is a war zone right now on the scene yeah. where the front lines are happening. So creative arts therapists, this is where we cross over sciences, right? Whether you're a music therapist, a movement therapist, an art therapist, movement and music are our go-tos right now because there's no supplies, Yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And that's true. This is a, a, a virus that is physically contaminating us. So music, right? When it comes to these people like on the ICU units where the care is being given, that is one thing we can come in as a creative arts therapist and say, how can I help get creative or calming music into the rooms of these patients that don't have the painkillers they need, right? Yeah. How can we provide that? We can do it. Even if it's streaming from our own devices right now, 
Let's do it across the globe and write it down and record it. And then, you know, heaven forbid, round two, which is right around the corner, like people that are volunteering are being called in my state, you know? Mm. So that's where let's keep record of this and let's do it. Calming music, soothing music. And if you can find out from the patient what their favorite music is, that's who you ask. If they're verbal, you right. say, what kind of music do you want to hear? And mm -hmm. you give them choices again. You know, do you want to hear instrumental? The music therapists are the best ones to pipe in with these ideas, obviously. Um, so re again, social connection. If you're an art therapist, you most likely know a music therapist. Connect with them right now. Even if you haven't seen them in four years, send them a message and say, hey, what's the best way to ask this? Um, but, in my, you know, in my experience right now, this is a key time to bring in the music and help calm the system, right? Because they're just hearing coughing and gagging and people pulling these things out. And then meanwhile, they're just, it's horrifying. It's just horrifying. Yeah. So I hate to go there. But music is a huge benefit, right? And then mm -hmm. what else are we thinking about on these units? Well, I mean- What else is in need? Go ahead. I, I, I it, just hearing you talk about it made me think about, um, some of the things I've been seeing, like little videos with the doctors and nurses kind of using dance and movement and like yes. recording themselves as a group, right? They're working together and they're using that creativity to, um, you know, reinforce that team aspect of what they're doing and that they're supporting one another and they've got each other's backs. But they're also, again, like, thinking about how that um how that boosts confidence it boosts morale um and it and it boosts our immune system right when we're yes. having fun and and being playful and silly um and how like it could come in the form of entertainment right mm -hmm. it could come in the form of entertaining the client yes. right and um in that way so they might not be able to engage like that just they might not have that energy or you know desire right they might have having to be preserving their energy right now but how can you entertain in a way that is meaningful and healing and helpful um, and I don't know, just do that. Well, that's and that's also, me. you remind me, like you think about, you talk about entertainment and then there's also the importance of, in some instances, like depending on the unit, right? Like where there's like the psychiatric units that, you know, people are still, there's all the other illnesses. There's physical ailments, heart attacks, all this awful stuff that's still going on. People having babies you know, and then there's inpatient units with psychiatric patients that are coming in like normal with upsets. And I would say more. Yeah. I yeah. would say that they're, they're Ele reaching escalated. at least yeah. here in our community, the yeah. numbers are like full skyrocketing. Yes. Yeah. High, yeah. high levels. Um, so because, that's because they're responding to what's going on and, and it's impacting people that have, you know, if they're if they already have a pre-existing condition where there's some paranoid thinking and some delusions right. going on 
you know, this just increases that level of psychosis for them and, and they need support around it. And you know how it is when you're working with um, that population of people, sometimes they may be on a therapeutic dose of medication, but some kind of systemic upset like this really escalates Yes. And, um, and medication isn't really doing its job anymore, you know? So, and I don't know, there's a lot of complications. So in regard to being the creative arts therapist in any of these scenes, right? Like I know you also work on a children's trauma unit. Mm-hmm. So whether you're on a children's unit, a psychiatric unit, different scenario when you're on the coronavirus response units, right? Um, but still employing movement as a starting point for these sessions, right? Like we've talked about stretching your arms out, getting everyone to stretch their arms out. You need to be your arm beyond the next person's arm. And there should be at least a foot to two feet between each hand, right? And we can encourage people to turn their bodies and let their hands fall naturally, bouncing off their sides. Great warm up for any group. And you're also talking about social distancing. And you say, now let's put our arms down and see how far apart we are. Now let's take two steps back. Now how far, far apart we are right? Like this is how far apart we really should be for safety. And I, you know, it's, it's realistic and the children, you need, we need to stay more in the metaphor, just remain in the metaphor while we process. This is where like the happy clam and the purple algae, mm-hmm. it could be introduced that way where you're going to do a safe place on a seascape, right? And this is another example where I think this could be happening on units all over the globe where you put up the big mural paper, you draw a horizon line, and you tell everyone, you put a big sign up that says, this week, the theme is safe creatures. Add one for yourself or your loved one. And that's it. And people bring their own art supplies. Yeah. BYO crayons. <laughs> <laughs> right? And, and that's a great way for everyone to socially connect on the unit. And then visually, it, and it also what's beautiful about introducing a task like that on any unit is it's going to give the staff something pleasant and playful to dialogue about. Yeah. And contribute right? to. And contribute to and share mm-hmm. and socially connect and remain socially distant because you're saying this is not a closed group, right? Like when I respond, we also, the Emerald Sketch Art teaches open art therapy session response versus psychoanalytic outreach education, right? The outreach education is when we go in and we're saying, we are assessing the need and we're also going to begin the therapeutic process. We're going to give you an art therapy task when you're in the group session, but we're assessing, do you have a sense of trauma and or are there family members with it? The open art therapy process is what I'm talking about now, where we provide the art task that socially connects everyone and we, we give them the guidelines and then they, they step in. And you remain there as a, feedback point but you're not standing in in this instance you wouldn't be standing there all day that mural stays up from sunday to sunday right and then you change it or you put a new one up somewhere else so that at the end of a few weeks there's safe places all over that hospital Mm -hmm. you know this can go up in a hallway get permission from the head of rehab services or the director of a program you can do this in an email they're most likely going to say yes as long as it you present it in a way that's going to socially protect people and right. it, it is a, in a connectivity, binding benefit. 
Definitely. So that's the thing when you approach hospital staff or CEO, whoever's ahead of anything, that's what I think you want to lead in with. Like, Hey, here's the idea. Well, this is my, this is who I am, where I work within your large system. Here's my idea. This is how I can pull it off. Here are the benefits. Yeah. Let me know what you think. Right. And this is where the idea is coming from. Reference us. It's mm -hmm. coming from this, this previous known knowledge and science that this is a healthful thing. Um, and then let's talk more about the actual things we can do. Okay. So we have this circle of people that have taken their step back. Butterfly hug. I love, you know, the butterfly hug, right? Well, why don't you explain that for people who might not be aware of what the butterfly hug is? Yes. Yeah, so it's, you want to start with like a self hug or anyone who knows sign language. I love you in sign language is crossing arm over arm. Another great reference to bring out the child in everyone is when you would get to the top of the hill and you cross your arms to roll down the hill. That's what you want to do right now. Oh. Did you used to do that when you were little? Love rolling down mountains. Oh, there's no hills. There's like the, <laughs> it's flat. The, yeah, there's like the dumps that they created become the hills in like South yes. Florida, right? Oh, yeah, don't roll down those hills. Anyway, <laughs> I'm up in the Northeast, got the New England hills. So you cross your arms, hand falling shoulder to shoulder, right? And, and then you gently tap. You tap from your index finger to your pinky and back up and down. And we call this a butterfly hug. I it's very approachable why. for children when you call it a butterfly hug, right? Mm -hmm. But what this is doing is the science of tapping, mm -hmm. right? Those, those brain ticklers that massage the head. I mean, that's the truth too, is you can do this on the top of your head, relating, where you take the hands and you just go down the center, right? Go right over that corpus callosum, <laughs> <laughs> connecting that right and left brain back down to the back of your brain. Like this feels great. And you can also tap side to side. I tell people you can tap your left leg to your right leg back and forth, snap your fingers right to left. Mm -hmm. You know, this is um, EMDR. When they put the pulses in the right and left hand, when people retell traumatic stories, right. what the pulses are doing are keeping the synapse moving in all parts of our mind body. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the uh, trampoline effect. It's why jumping on trampolines are so good for our the refurbishing of our ions. <laughs> Fascinating. Right? Yeah, there's it's definitely the something about the vibration, the, you yeah. know, that, that piece. And um, I think even the exercise that you described before about, you know, spacing, if you're starting a group and mm -hmm. that twist, the way the arms fall, you're, you know, doing that there too. The, um, oh, it regenerates. It, it know, rejuvenates and wakes up all your neurotransmission. Mm-hmm when you let yourself tap. Um, and it's soothing. Very soothing. And that's where if you start and end sessions with something like that, I always encourage people then, that's the therapeutic homework. How many times this week are you going to do the butterfly hug? Mm. Invite them to commit. Mm -hmm. And again, give the choice. You want to do it two times? You want to do it four times? All right, I'll do it twice. I'll do it at least twice. Are you sure you think you could do it every day or every other day? I'm going to do it twice. Okay, I'll take it, right? And then if they come back, it's okay whether they did it or not. You still right. gave them something to process. And mm -hmm. honestly, thinking about doing this stuff also shows huge benefits. This is why the inward eye process of inviting imagery to arise and being with it is highly effective. Because mm -hmm. composing music 
shows just as much brain activity is actually playing. I, so I fascinating. I think it would be even more yeah. um, with composing just because there are listening so passive, composing mm -hmm. is active. And so different parts of the brain would be firing up, I would think. Oh, absolutely. I was saying and playing. Oh, like playing. playing music mm -hmm. and, and thinking about is very similar. Mm -hmm. Like thinking about practicing the flute and playing the flute have very similar, light up very similar regions of the brain. It's, it's the same. It's incredible. Very cool. Um, more creative coping skills. Mm -hmm. Double-handed scribbling. Right, again, we're, we're talking about activities that are bilateral in their process. Yes. yes. Mm -hmm. And this is a great one where... You know, we can encourage people to do this on their own, tape it on the wall, tape it on a piece of a table. And if you can't tape it, you, you just hold it briefly or prop something on it. You know, if they don't have tape, find something else to hold it down. Because um, the social distancing really shouldn't even be close enough to hold the paper right now. I know. Right? It's hard. It's so challenging. And mm -hmm. if you are, have a mask on. Mask making can be a group therapy activity. That's true. I would 100% use like felt and pipe cleaners, something like that. Like whatever supplies are on your unit and you're allowed. And I think in that instance, it, it should be presented like, can we do this project where people walk away with their creation and it's only theirs? Um, another one I really love is brush, brush stroke breathing. And you can do this with drawing or paint where when we did the inward eye process about the protective tree, um, I was saying, breathe in through your nose and back out through your mouth, elongate the out breath. With this example, you, you do it with the art making process. So you, you breathe in doing a short line with the coloring pencil, and then you breathe out doing a much longer line with the colored pencil. Mm -hmm. And you do that for 10 repetitions. Or the paintbrush right? or whatever yeah. it is. Watercolors are really mm -hmm. lovely because it's so fluid, right? Mm -hmm. And you can also just use water and a paintbrush. But the color is nice because then again, we have something visually to look at and process together. Mm -hmm. But creative brain exercises, they're real and they're effective and they help. You know, great way to just, just like you may, may be encouraging your whole family to exercise daily. These are creative brain exercises, creative right. art therapy exercises. I think too, like with, with that exercise, if you're doing the, the breathing and the brush strokes, mm -hmm. really, um, it, you're forcing yourself to be in the present moment. And again, if yes. you're in the present moment, then you're not in, you know, the scary place and, yes. you know, so that, that can be super helpful. And well, yeah, the more, once, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, no, the more we, real quick, I'm thinking about, you know, how much I love talking about the neurobiology. Um, I'm thinking about the importance of doing these and practicing them and doing the repetition is that it does build the corpus callosum and all the connectivity in the brain so that your subcortical brain has faster access mm -hmm. to the prefrontal cortex. Your reaction time to calming your own anxiety will improve the more you practice mm -hmm. these things. Yeah. Like people that have real chronic trauma that needs to be processed Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that's why um, biofeedback can be so helpful as well, um, where, yes. you know, you're teaching people to be able to see and look at their, um, 
their biological processes, right? You can see your heart rate, you can see um, your in-breath and out-breath, and you can train yourself to um, engage in that way um, in the breathing process, just focusing on the breath so that you can calm your um, parasympathetic nervous system really, really quickly. Absolutely. Um, and it's and that's highly effective. Yeah, and that's where it's effective whether you have chronic trauma, uh, trauma that's been buried and now coming up to the surface because of the isolation process. Like mm -hmm. That's the reality for a lot of people, right? Or you've had a really great life and there's nothing fortunately disturbing in your history right on you're fabulous um how nice for you it's so great no but honestly it's going to help those people too right yeah. these help everybody and also they elate your system right it does wake you up and relax you and typically i mean I, have you ever i've never had anyone say i feel worse after doing one of these creative strategies Oh, well, that just depends. It right. depends on who the population is and how like angry and resistant they are to being there. That's true. I'm not talking about my work on the inpatient psychiatric units. When I talk about that, I'm talking about trauma response with, with yeah. so-called normals. <laughs> um, yeah. So again, all the things that tap into the bilateral work. Or what is so great right now. And also the, the non-dominant hand scribbling is also very effective. Mm -hmm. Where you do a non-dominant hand scribble and encourage people to flow with it and just really associate it. And, that, and the point of this one is let go. Do it without thinking so much, right? But because you're so unused to your non-dominant hand, it's waking up parts of your system right. that aren't usually awake in your brain. And again, because it is so unfamiliar, it's difficult and challenging, and it requires you to really focus on being in the moment doing that task. It's really hard to do that task and anything else or be thinking about anything yes. else because it's so yeah. challenging. So again, it's bringing people back into the moment. And we, when we can be in the moment, um, in the present, right? That, that means we're not worrying about what's going to happen in the future. And we're not thinking about changing the past. We're just here right now focusing on the task at hand. So anytime we can um, engage people in the creative process that does that, I think that that has tremendous benefit because it gives them a, um, a reprieve from whatever it is that's causing distress mm -hmm. right? yes in a healthy way you know well and it's also it, it's very nice to have a focus mm -hmm. especially you know we live lives that are typically so distracted and so clouded and so busy like i grew up on a farm with wide open space hundreds of acres dozens of dogs so much space but for my mind body to then live in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I, I, the, you know, it's like, I, sometimes I would come home and I would be like, God, the static energy, the, the, it's like the industrial yes. world yeah. is so cap. It, it holds you, the soul captive in a way that it's very important to tap into that inward eye process and open up your 
creative zone because it frees the system. And it's so difficult to do, like mindfulness meditation is so challenging to do if, if you've never done it and if you're just starting. And if you're home alone and isolated and you've never practiced something like that, I think the creative arts therapy strategies that we're sharing are far more approachable and pleasant and less threatening. Like for me, even as a creative arts therapist, the first mindfulness meditation course I took to learn the process was so difficult. I found it so hard to sit with myself, with a group of people for an hour and a half and then practice it every day. I was like itchy, I did not wanna do this. Like it is hard work. So the social connection with that helps. I, I'm not discouraging people from dabbling. I'm just saying these creative processes are far less threatening, very approachable, and they're, they seem to avoid making people feel that sense of, I need to get out of my body right now. Mm -hmm. Like I have to say in my own personal experience, which I'm really going out on a limb here. I don't typically share my own personal experiences, <laughs> but in the educational purpose of sharing, the inward eye process and that type of creative meditation is how I consider it was so incredibly approachable when I discovered it. Whereas the mindfulness meditation process, I really struggled with and had to practice for months upon months. Mm -hmm. And that's because I'm a creative artist, right? It's because I'm so visual that it was very easy for me to connect with the inward eye process. Um, but being mindful when you're in a state of, of social shock and distance where this is so stressful and challenging and shout outs to all the parents out there, you know, it's like, it's helpful to have a creative guide and a map to follow. Like a butterfly hug straight up feels good. And it's gonna totally have a very similar effect to a long process of mindfulness meditation. Like I've been publishing articles on mini meditations because there is evidence. Harvard's produced studies that show several minutes of meditation over many days is very effective also. And there are benefits from that. So giving yourself a few minutes a day of a creative coping practice. Well, awesome. Another art therapist, um, Amy Bucciarelli, who's also in Florida, she um, made um, she made a, a like a, a mindfulness meditation, um, and she shared it with me to share with others. And it's on Anchor. It's like a very short. Awesome. Um, kind of podcast type thing, but I'll go ahead and I'll put that in the show notes and um, share that. So if people want to refer to that, they can, and um, and then they don't have to reinvent the wheel. But you know, she just she has a very soft, soothing voice and um, kind of guides people through a process. So um, I'll share that too. Oh, that's and lovely. I look forward be, to listening. It would be awesome if you have the link or a media source to the artwork that you were referencing earlier in the show from Philadelphia. Yes. If you could share that and then I'll put that in the show notes so that if people listening want to reference that and look that up, they can as well. Yes, I will do that. Happy to share those articles. Sorry to go on that tangent. I did, but while I was no, no, it's good. No, it's totally other. completely. It's on point. It's great. 
And um, that's why we, we've said it before. And let's say it again, that, you know, there's so many forms of healing and each person is going to connect with what works best for you, what works right. best for them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, is, are there any other things that we need to kind of touch based on? I want to be mindful of the time and, hmm. um, and related to, in relation to creative coping. One more thing, shout out to all the parents out there. This is the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life. I know it is. <laughs> Even if you're the coolest, most calm-headed Mary Poppins mom out there <laughs> or dad. Right. Um, the breathing for children, to do it with children, is to have them choose a safe animal, an animal that makes them feel safe. And then you do the breath, the breathing, where you encourage them to do the end breath and then make the animal sound as long as they possibly can. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, like that. it's very fun. And it's great. Like in my family, years ago, she's, our daughter's almost four, and she chose a wolf when she was very young. She was like two. And it's so cute because we would have this ritual before we would go for preschool where the family would howl like wolves. <laughs> right? Should we do it together? Um, let's I, I might make my dog start to howl. Who's oh, that's really room. funny. <laughs> Let's do a snake because that's a good one. I, you know, it's the rare person that would choose it as a protective creature. But if we breathe in and then do a hiss. Hiss. Yeah, I think right? that would be great. Mm -hmm. And it, it reduces the heart rate. When you elongate the out-breath, it just calms the mind-body. So that's a playful way to introduce it. And again, for all ages that want to connect with the inner child. Right. We should all way be connecting more, there. Yeah. Way more fun to envision the protective creature and be the creature than just breathe as a human. <laughs> yeah. It, um, it takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I think that's what gets people with the whole, like, meditative process it feels like a lot of pressure to do it right and yes. you know there's no right or wrong way to do it as long as you're practicing it when we talk about the word practice it you know it means to do things that that one thing over and over until you figure it out and then even after you figure it out you continue to do it so that you improve and um, the creative process is a practice um, doing therapy is a practice. Um, medicine is a practice. Meditation is a practice. Life is a practice. We're all practicing together and we're all practicing how to get through this right now. You know? It's nice to practice together. It is. <laughs> Better to practice together than to practice alone. Um, and so there are many ways that people can stay connected um, in their immediate community, but also in the larger community. And um, if people want to connect with us, um, you're more than welcome to. We would love to hear from you if you have any um, questions that you want answered or more information maybe about something that we discussed. Please just shoot us an email um, at creativeclinician at gmail.com um, and I'll be sharing my emails with Nicole any that come in in reference to the podcast 
and um, and then you can also find us on our separate social media accounts. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and um, Instagram at Creative Clinicians Corner, and um, Nicole is at Emerald Very Sketch on Facebook and yes. Emerald Sketch ART on Instagram. Yes. Very easy to find. You can always email me at emeraldsketch at gmail.com. And same thing. We're going to share all our notes and keep connected because we need it. Definitely. Definitely. We're stronger when we collaborate together. Um, two minds are better than one. Three minds are better than one. You know, we can find creative solutions that we haven't thought about um, when we work together. So we're here for you. And um, so we'll just sign off um, alone well. Alone strong. Alone, alone together. together. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Creative Psychotherapist. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. For show notes, downloads, and additional resources, head over to the website at www.creativeclinicianscorner.com.